Well, we're going to continue our series, Generous, where we've been exploring generosity from a biblical perspective. And, you know, it's kind of funny. I had somebody uh, ask me after last week's service, they said, Pastor, we've been in two weeks of this series, and you haven't talked about tithing yet. Uh, and, and I don't know if we will, because that's not what this series is about. This series is not about, hey, let's, let's talk about giving so that we can make sure people give to the church, okay? This is about exploring what the Bible says about us being a generous people. And if we do what the Bible commands us to do in being generous people, I have no doubt that the church will be taken care of, amen? Because generous people who are about God's word and doing what God has called us to do in being generous, they'll take care of the kingdom, They'll take care of the kingdom. They'll take care of ministries. But this is about us understanding what the Bible says about generosity. So we're going to dive right in this morning. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 10. If you need a Bible, just raise your hand. Our ushers would be glad to give you one. That's yours to keep if you don't have a Bible of your own. But we're going to look at the marks of a generous life from Luke chapter 10. The marks of a generous life. I, I titled the message a generous life, but we're really going to look at the marks of a generous life. What does it take to be a generous person? And we're in Luke chapter 10. We're going to start at verse 25. When you got it, say, I got it. And behold, a lawyer stood up and put him, meaning Jesus, to the test. It's always, it's always a bad idea putting Jesus to the test, but this guy thought he could. And he says, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life. And Jesus said to him, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. So here's this lawyer trying to trap Jesus and maybe thinking that Jesus is going to go away from the law because he's a lawyer. He's all about the law. Maybe Jesus is going to go away from the law. He's trying to trap him in it. And Jesus, as we've said before, knowing our heart, knowing our motives, knowing where somebody's coming from, he quote, he says, what, what do you read in the law? Goes back to the law. The guy probably automatically thought, oh man, doggone it. I'm not going to get my way here, right? So then he quotes this from the law, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, do this and you will live. So trick didn't work. Trap didn't work. Imagine that. Jesus, God of the universe, all-powerful, all-knowing, trying to trap him. Doesn't work. But the trap doesn't work, but he desires to justify himself, as we read in verse 29. Desiring to justify himself, he said to Jesus, then who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? Isn't that just like the majority of us, like, well, who is my neighbor? What is the line? What are the boxes I have to check to make sure I've done this right? And that's what he's basically asking Jesus. Then describe for me, who is my neighbor? And you know what I love about Jesus? He doesn't ever answer the question that you ask, ever. He just goes on in a minute and we'll see to tell a story, okay? It, it, it's almost like he says, nope, wrong question. You should be asking this question. And he tells them exactly what they need. Look at verse 30. He said, Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. And he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road. But when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by 
on the other side. But a Samaritan, now let's stop right there. You need to understand what the roles between a Jewish person and a Samaritan person were. They hated each other. They hated each other. And in fact, the Jewish people uh, kind of saw the Samaritans as less than human. That's kind of how they dealt with them. And so there was this tension between these groups of people. They were hated enemies. So this Jewish man's been beat up on the road, coming back from worshiping to Jerusalem, from Jerusalem to, uh, to Judea. And this Samaritan sees him, verse 33, as he journeyed, he came to where he was, he saw him, and he had compassion. He went to him, he bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper saying, take care of him. And whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three, talking about the priest, the Levite, or the Samaritan, do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? Then the lawyer said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. You go and do likewise. This guy's seeking to be justified. He said, hey, what's the line? If I'm going to follow you, Jesus, what are the boxes I have to check to make sure I'm a good Christian? I'm doing what I am supposed to be doing. And so who's my neighbor? And Jesus said, I'm not going to answer that question. I'm not going to tell you who your neighbor is. I'm going to tell you what it looks like to be a neighbor. I'm going to tell you what it looks like to be a neighbor. And he tells him this story. He said, who do you think was the neighbor? He said, the one who had mercy. He said, then go and do likewise. And so we're going to see from this text this morning, four marks of a generous life. Four marks of what it looks like for us to be a generous people and live a generous life. And the first one is there in your notes. It's having a love that looks beyond itself. Having a love that looks beyond itself. That's the first mark of a generous person. Look at what this, this guy did. He looked beyond himself. He looked beyond the circumstances. He looked beyond what was natural. What was natural was the Jews hated him as a person, hated their people. And here's this guy who's hurt, who is a Jew, and he looks at him and he says, I'm going to take mercy on this person. And he has, the Bible says that he has compassion. The only modern illustration I can kind of give us is with all the terrorism going on in our world from a group called ISIS, that if we saw somebody from ISIS on the side of the road that was injured, what would be our first reaction? Would it be to help that person? Probably not, right? Because they hate us and they seek to do us harm. And so the Jews weren't necessarily seeking to do the Samaritans harm, but they hated them. They treated them as less than people, less than equal. And so this guy goes beyond what is normal, looks beyond himself and says, I'm going to find a love that's beyond me. I'm going to seek a compassion and a mercy that's beyond what is natural. Because in the natural, it would be like, oh, you got, you got beat up. Okay, see ya, right? That would be what was natural, but it was a love that went beyond himself. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12, they'll put it on the screens for us, says this. Paul talking to the church at Colossae, he said, put on then, put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, 
and patience. Paul was talking to the church at Colossae, and he said, you, if you're going to be a Christ follower, if you're going to be a chosen one of God, holy and beloved, then you have to put on, almost like putting on a coat, putting on a blanket, putting on an outer garment. You got to put on kindness. You got to put on mercy. You got to put on humility and meekness and patience. This is something you got to every day go out of your house and say, I'm going to represent God in the way that I show compassion. I'm going to represent God in the way that I am kind. I'm going to represent God in my humility and patience towards others. I'm going to have a love that looks beyond itself, that doesn't seek to defend, that doesn't seek to go after, but it seeks to put others above myself. A love that looks beyond itself. That's the first mark of a generous person. The second mark we're going to see from this passage is a willingness to invest time in others. A willingness to invest time in others. You know, we're not told why the priest or the Levite, who was both holy men, walked away from the guy. We're not told if they were busy or on a schedule or they had somewhere to be. A lot of theologians believe that it was because this was such a dangerous road coming from and to uh, Jerusalem to worship, that these thieves would camp out and look for people who were journeying to worship and coming back from worship to rob, that this was such a dangerous place that these guys said, no, hey, look, here's the evidence that this is a dangerous place. I'm getting out. I'm, I'm leaving. I'm not going to stay to help this person because I could be next. But we're not told why. But one thing for sure is that this Samaritan invested his time. He invested his time in a very dangerous situation. The, the proof was in the pudding, so to speak. This guy had been beaten on this same path. And the Samaritan, at risk of his own life, said, I'm going to stop and I'm going to take my time to invest in others. You know, is that something that we do as Christ followers? You know, I think about m myself. I hate being late. And anybody in here with, with, with me on that, right? Planners, you just like to be where you're supposed to be on time. And, and I love my wife to death, but that is not my wife, right? Like if we get there, we get there, right? That's kind of the philosophy. And so when it, when it really, if we, we have a wonderful marriage. We hardly ever fight. But if we do have a little bit of tension, it's usually in those moments where we both have to be somewhere. And I'm, I'm feeling like that country song, Waiting on a Woman, right? You know what I'm saying? And, and so there, there's these, these opportunities. But you can just kind of, from that, see what my heart is. I hate being late. There was one day I was incredibly late for where I was going to be. I knew I wasn't going to make it on time. I'd already contacted the person and said, hey, I'm going to be about, a, about five minutes late. And I drove by, and I saw this older lady uh, with her. Uh, she, was all, she was by herself. She was out, out of her car and had the hood up. And my initial thought, was not very pastoral. It was like, I'm already late. You know, I'm just, I, I gotta go, right? And then I'm beginning to justify it in my mind. Like, I don't know what to do with that engine any more than she does. I'm gonna just stand there and be like, yep, it's broke, all right? And so I, I can't really help her, right? So I passed. And as I passed, I kid you not, it was almost like time froze. Anybody ever seen uh, Puss in Boots, you know, where the cat gives those big eyes, right? It's almost like this old lady locked eyes with me and it was 
I said, doggone it. So I turned the car around and I was coming back to the lady. And right when I was coming back to her, another guy pulled up and he was getting out and he was helping. I said, praise Jesus. And I went on about my way. The rescued, right? But the point was the whole time that bothered me that I was in such a rush to get where I was that I wouldn't stop, even if I didn't know how to help that person. And I did eventually turn around and try to do the right thing, but that was not my initial heart. What is our initial heart to help? What is our initial heart towards generosity? What, what do we want to uh, invest our time in? Just the, the every day or things that matter? Things that matter. You know, I probably couldn't have helped that old lady. And we probably would have looked at the engine and both of us said, yep, it's broke, Right? but at least there would have been somebody who stood with her, right? Do we invest our time in the things that matters? Do we invest our time in others? Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 17, Solomon's talking. He said, I said in my heart, God will judge the righteous and the wicked, for there is a time for every matter and for every work. He said, God's going to judge the righteous, those in right standing with God, and the wicked, and here's the point. There's a time for every matter and every work. There's, there's a time to do what's right. And this man, because of his generosity, this Samaritan took his time to meet the needs of somebody else. The third thing we see from this passage, a mark of a generous person is a willingness to use talent and resources for others. He used talent and resources. He, he gave his own oil and wine, which was costly at the time, his own bandages to treat this, this Jewish person who had been harmed. He put him on his own animal. I love how the Bible is so descriptive, descriptive for a reason. He put him on his animal. Well, what does that mean? Well, he was probably using his animal to ride to save his feet from the journey. But now he was putting this man on his animal and walking in the journey. It was a sacrifice. He used his talent and his resources for others. 1 Peter 4.10 says, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. As each has received a, a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied, varied, varied grace. We've all received grace upon grace upon grace. Are we serving out of that grace. You say, well, I don't have any talents. Yes, you do. Who says so? The Bible. You may not have discovered those gifts or those talents, but you have them. And they're God's grace to you. And they're meant to be used to serve others. And so there's this willingness on a part of a generous person to use any talent, any gift that we have been given, and any resource that we have for others for others. You know what else the Samaritan had? Another mark of a generous person that, that we all need. It was a willingness to use his treasure for kingdom purposes. This Samaritan understood that it wasn't about spending money on this Jewish person. It was about doing what was right in the eyes of God. And that his treasure really was God's treasure and that he wanted to use it to maximize God's kingdom by helping 
others. He understood the principle this lawyer was trying to, to, to trap Jesus in. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. Who wouldn't bind their own wounds if they were hurt? Who wouldn't seek to heal if they were hurt? And he said, listen, I understand that I have to use the treasure that God has given me for kingdom purposes. Romans chapter 12, verse 13 says, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Contribute, seek to show hospitality. Be a generous people. That's the call. That's what God has called us to. So with knowing the marks of a generous person, the question for us then is why? Why be generous? Because we all have a choice, right? We all have a choice every single day whether we are going to be generous people. So why be generous? What are the benefits of living a generous life? And don't misunderstand me. It's not, I'm not telling you what the benefits are because I want you to know what's in it for you. It's not about that. But the fact remains that when we are generous people, there are benefits to our generosity, right? So let's talk about it. Why, why should we be generous? What are the benefits of living a generous life? 2 Corinthians chapter 9, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to theirs in the New Testament. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and we're going to look at verses 6 through 12. And this is Paul, the Apostle Paul, talking to the church at Corinth. Again, talking to Christians, church people. And he says this in verse 6. He says, the point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely, speaking of Jesus. He has given to the poor. We're the poor. His righteousness endures forever. God has given us more than we could ever repay. Amen? And his righteousness endures forever. And he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. So from this passage, we're going to see some benefits of living a generous life. And the first benefit of living a generous life is this, the blessing of God on your life. The blessing of God on your life. When we begin to live out godly principles, when we begin to take the Bible at its word and we begin to live it out as God's people following his instructions, your life will be blessed what do I mean by that? Am I saying that God is, a, is like a slot machine or a, or a vending machine? You put something in, you're going to get something out? No, God doesn't operate like that. But what I am saying is when we begin to operate on godly principles, we begin to do what the word says for us to do as his people, the blessings of God come to you in ways you can't even understand. 
The blessings of God overflow in your life and they don't end. You become a blessed people. Why? So that you can be a blessing. Look at what God said in, in this passage through Paul to the church. He says, listen, God is able to make all grace abound to you. He's able to make you sufficient for all things that you may abound in every good work. And he's given freely. His righteousness endures forever. And he's going he's gonna to give seed to the sower and bread for food. He'll multiply your seed and increase your harvest. You'll be enriched in every way. Why? To be generous in every way. He makes you a blessing. Why? So that you can be a blessing. It's the blessing of God on your life. As a matter of fact, the psalmist says this in Psalms 112.5. He says, it goes well with a man who deals generously and lends, who conducts his affairs with justice. Goes well with a man who is generous, deals generously and lends, who conducts his, affair, his affairs with justice. It's the blessing of God on your life. It's the first benefit. A second benefit we see from this text is it's refreshing to give. Look at what he says in verse 8. God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. It's refreshing to give. As a matter of fact, the, 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 the Proverbs in Proverbs eleven twenty five, 25, it says a generous person will prosper Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. It's refreshing to give. I told you a couple of, couple of sermons ago, I believe it was week one of the series, I said that sometimes I fight the flesh when it comes to being a generous person. And I'm sure I'm not the only one. Sometimes I have like a, a clenched fist mentality. Like, God, you, <laughs> you're really asking me to give this? I've worked hard for this. I've, you know, I've, I've, I've earned this. And now you're asking me to give it away. And I've told you that God deals with my heart on that. That God, God speaks to my heart and he says, listen, stingy, all right? Your hands were surely open when I poured the blessing in them. Whew. You said, man, Pastor Tim, God gets with you. Yeah, he does. And he'll get with you too. He says, listen, open your hands because they were open for me to pour something in. Now open them to let something out. And don't you think I'm just as capable of pouring more in? That's what the scripture says. He says, he'll make every grace abound to you so that you'll be ready for every good work. He'll enrich you in every way so that you can be generous in every way. See, I'm a firm believer that God will give us more when we prove that what we have, we're a faithful steward of. That when, when we have something that God has given us, however small, and we prove to be a good steward of it, we, we prove that this is not my God. He is. And if he asks me to give it all away, I know that he's capable of taking care of my needs. And we live that way that he'll give us more because God is a generous God. Look around. Look around at what we have. He's, he's an and then some God. Even in how he created all that we see. You know, he created such splendor, such majesty, above and beyond what you would expect. 
You know that there are thousands of different types of beetles? Why? Why? If, if I was God, I would have said one beetle's enough. I don't even know what they do, right? But he said, no, I'm going to create thousands and thousands of different kinds of beetles. He's an and then some God. He's a God of generosity. He's a God of blessing. And when we understand that and we give, we see that it's refreshing to give. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Now, I love what the ESV says on the same verse, Proverbs eleven twenty five. 25. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and one who waters will himself be watered. You're going to understand that it is, it is blessed to give. It is a blessing to be a generous people. The next thing that we see from the text is that generosity produces a legacy of blessing. A legacy of blessing. In verse 9, he gives us an example of Christ. He said, he has distributed freely. He's given freely. He's given to the poor. Who are we, who are we called in the scripture? The poor in spirit, right? He is given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He is the example of generosity in every way. And so he gives us that standard. And he says, if we live that standard, then we create a legacy of blessing. Even the psalmist repeats it in Psalms 37, 25. He says, I've been young and now I am, I am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. He is ever lending generously and his children become a blessing. You know who his children are? You and me. His children become a blessing. You know where I've seen this played out? In my own family. And it's not because of me, okay? If anything, I can tell you, I, I am honest as your pastor, right? I tell, I'm transparent. I tell you about my flaws. I tell you about the clenched fist mentality sometimes that God, God's still working in me. Praise God, he's not done with me, right? But my wife, my wife will give everything away. She will. She'll give stuff away that we just got, right? Because God tells her, we need to give this away. And, and she'll say, hey, I really feel like we should give this. And I'm like, what? Or even presents for people around Christmas. I hate Christmas time. Like, and, and, and she's like, we should give this. And I'm like, girl, have you seen our bank account? Like, what are you talking about? But she's a generous person. And you know where that's kind of trickled off is my, my little two, not, not my newest one, because he's two, but he'll probably be generous too. But Hagen and Brennan, they are incredibly generous people. Not that my other kids aren't, but I really see it in these little ones. You know, typically when you have little play dates and, and kids come over and they play with your kids' toys, what do your kids typically do? You hear the fighting up there. No, that's mine. That's mine, right? Not my, my little two. They'll be playing with kids and the kids are playing with the toys and the kids get ready to go. They say, hey, you want to take that toy with you? Every time. Every time. We even have parents of other kids be like, your kid tries to give my kid a toy every time. You know? And I look at that and I'm like, they got that from their mama. Because they see their mama give all the time. And you know what? She's created a legacy of giving. You know how she gives like that? Because she's seen God give like that. And that's what he's trying to get across here. Look, he has distributed freely. He's given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He gives and gives and gives. Don't you think he can give more? As a matter of fact, he'll give more if you give more. 
He'll give more if you give more. He'll be a blessing to you if you're a blessing. If you begin to pour this out. And you know what that creates? It comes to our last point here. And I'm going to close up. I'm going to stop. I promise. Our generosity is a reflection of the generosity of God. Or should be. Our generosity should be a reflection of the generosity of God. Look at verse 11 and 12 again. He said, you'll be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. That means that through your generosity, people will praise the Lord. Through your kindness that you put on every single day, people will see the kindness of God. Through your grace, people will see the grace of God. Through your patience and humility and kindness, people will see the humility and kindness and patience of our God. As you live out the biblical principles that you see that have been poured out on you, others will give thanks to God. They'll see God in us see Jesus told this parable of the good Samaritan not so that we would quantify who we should be generous to but so that we would see a picture of the generosity we should show it wasn't about who it was about how it's not about who should I show generosity to it's about how do you become a generous person see what matters is whether we'll be generous people Because when we live generously, the love and generosity of Jesus is shown. It's not about who we help. It's about that we help. And it's not about what's in your hand, what you own. It's about what's in your heart. It's not about what's in your hand. It's about what's in your heart. And it's not about who we help. It's that we help. And you know what I love about this passage? You know what I love about this passage? I love how real it is. I love that a Samaritan who's hated by the Jew helps the Jew. I I love that. Because I, I know myself, I know my heart, I know my motives, I know my thoughts sometimes. And you know, if somebody loves me, I can love them back pretty, pretty, pretty much all the time. But if somebody's nasty to me or doesn't like me, oh, poo-poo on you, Right? That's, that's, that's kind of the general thought. But, but listen, this is I love this because you don't always get to choose your neighbor. The Samaritan didn't get to choose his neighbor. But you do choose every day whether or not you're going to be a neighbor. You do choose that every day. And for you, I, I don't know about you, maybe, maybe you really do have a next door neighbor. At your house, there was one in the first service. The lady said, Are, did, were you, it looked like you were looking right at me when you were talking about next door neighbors. She said, I got one, right? Just mean as a snake. And I give all my neighbors pies occasionally, except for that one, right? And, and my husband pokes me and says, what, what about that one? He says, nope, I'm not there yet. And, so, and I said, well, it sounds like you're going home baking a pie. So you don't get to choose your neighbor, but you you choose every day whether or not you're going to be a neighbor, whether you're going to live this, whether you're going to do this right, whether you're going to be a generous person. So here's the question. What will it be? Will we be a generous people? Will the generosity of God be displayed in the way that we live?